Welcome to Forward. Educate yourself on the new world. The podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance with your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Real chiropractic talk. No rainbows, no unicorns. Start putting in the work. The biggest names in the industry. The legends, the innovators, the up-and-comers. This is the podcast for progressive DCs. So buckle up. Passion is the feeling you have that you would probably do this for free and you can't believe somebody pays you to do it. Welcome, everybody, to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. If you do not know, you can find out more about the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance at forwardthinkingchiro.com. This podcast is brought to you by your sponsors, the American Chiropractic Association, who will have a presence, a presence in the president of the American Chiropractic Association, making a presentation at Forward 2019, which is the annual convention of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It's taking place very quickly, September 20th through the 22nd at Logan University in Chesterfield, Missouri. Uh, We are also sponsored by Parker Seminars. Parker Seminars has some great events coming up. Check out parkerseminars.com. They have a great event in Dallas in October. And I just saw a recent speakers list of uh, speakers at their 2020 Vegas seminar, which looks like it's going to be outstanding, especially if you're into that evidence-based chiropractic. Annie O'Connor, who's at Forward 19, is going to be there. Dr. Kevin Christie, Dr. Mark King, uh, Dr. Jan Hartvikson. Oh, man, this is a long, long list. Dr. Greg Friedman, Dr. Brett Winchester, who's also at Forward 19. Greg Friedman's also at Forward 19. Kevin Christie's also at Forward 19. Michael Shacklock will be there. That's not an easy ticket to find. And Kelly Sterrett of Mobility Watt will be there. The list goes on and on. I'm sure more people will be added as they go. Uh, so check out parkerseminars.com and get ready to go to Vegas in 2020. Uh, as well, we are sponsored by Pain Zone, which is a great topical analgesic product. Check out ipainzone.com. Gets your free samples and practice practicing with pain zone because you'll want to you want to uh, have this available to your your patients pain zone's a great product so check that out ipainzone.com and advanced musculoskeletal therapies home of the miracle wave miraclewave.com you can google miracle wave you can google advanced musculoskeletal therapies if you're in the market for an extracorporeal shockwave device uh, which is great on tendinopathies and tendon related soft tissue injuries check out the miracle wave and um, <clears throat> Check out uh, MiracleWave.com and Advanced Musculoskeletal Therapies. We're also brought to you by the Chiropractic Success Academy, CSACircle.com. There's a little mailing list slash wait list. Uh, The CSA does not take clients at the moment, but they do have a list that you can put yourself on, and they're going to be sending out a cool little video-related gift, a four-part video series Uh, to help you get motivated and get excited and have a couple tools in your tool belt when it comes to practice success. Uh, Great for the student near graduation, too, to get a couple tools and and get their their teeth sort of cut on some business concepts before they start out into practice. So those are our sponsors. Today's guest on uh, Forward, the podcast of Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, is Dr. Noah Voles. Dr. Noah Voles is originally from Durango, Colorado. He's lived in Germany, Denmark, Arizona, Oregon, and California. 
So he's got a lot of perspective on life, even for a young individual new to the profession. Uh, thankfully, his parents introduced him to chiropractic when he was three years old, and he's been receiving care from generous and knowledgeable chiropractors his entire life. Dr. Voles currently lives and works as a chiropractor in Oakland, California, where he loves collaborating with local yoga studios and sports teams. As a student, he was the host of and creator of DC to B Revolution YouTube channel and podcast, which had the goal of inspiring young minds to make the profession more progressive. And he did an excellent job of it. Those YouTube videos should still be around somewhere for you to check out. When not educating his patients and the public, he enjoys backpacking in the Sierras. That's a good thing to do. Meditation, yoga, and riding his bike, also good things to do. You can join him at Dr. Noah Voles. That's N-O-A-H-V-O-L-Z.com, DrNoahVoles.com. Uh, and we're going to talk about his new book. So uh, Dr. Voles wrote a book as he was a student and as he was graduating about student mastery. And uh, we're going to talk in the podcast about how that book's, where that book's available, how you can get your hands on it, and some of the themes and concepts within the book itself. So I hope you enjoy this podcast with Dr. Noah Voles. I had fun recording it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. My guest today is Dr. We get to call him Dr. because the last time I talked to you, we didn't get to do that. It's Dr. Noah Voles. And do you remember uh, I was on your podcast, DC to B, right? Correct. And I think that was my first ever sort of like chiropractic podcast interview. I don't think I'd done one before that. Well, I've, I feel honored. Yeah. Um, I just never thought of it. Um, I had been on other podcasts with friends before talking about plenty of stuff that was non-chiropractic related, but then uh, the light just shined on me like, oh, I can actually talk about chiropractic because that's actually what I do for a living. So uh, you, uh, you popped my podcast cherry, chiropractic. <laughs> At that time, you were a student and you were in the throes of full studenthood and now you are a full-fledged licensed doctor of chiropractic practicing in the city of Oakland or are you in a suburb? Yeah, I'm in the city of Oakland. Nice. And tell me before we get into the, the main event of what we're going to talk about, tell me about that transition period from student to a practicing chiropractor. What, what was, what's been your experience? What do you think of it? So it, it, uh, everybody kind of warned me, I feel like that, you know, the transition would be challenging. Um, and I found it extremely challenging. I'm currently at my third job and I've been, you know, licensed for less than a year. Um, finally, you know, found a great fit for myself, but, uh, it was, it was, um, it was complicated to get to the place where I actually knew what I really wanted and was able to advocate for myself in that. Um, because when I came out of school, I felt that pressure of all the debt and was just like, you know, okay, let's, let's get a job fast. And that turned out to be um, to my disadvantage in the long run. And then I took a step back and was like, all right, let's, let's focus on the the long term here, like where is somebody that I, where is somewhere that I really want to be, who's a doctor that I really want to work with, and um, and once I kind of shifted my perspective to that, then then I ended up finding something that was a better uh, fit for myself. So 
um, you know, that, that was my biggest takeaway. It's definitely been a, it's been a rocky, a rocky start and kind of a, a rocky first year. And so I feel like just now, almost like a year after I graduated and got licensed, I'm starting to, starting to get my flow, starting to get, um, starting to, you know, sink into the reality of being a doctor and everything that entails. Um, you know, everybody kind of warned me that, you know, school isn't really going to prepare you for everything that you anticipate. And I did the podcast and I really, I felt like I put in as much time and effort as I could to prepare myself fully. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a never ending, it's a never ending story, so to speak. There, it, there seems like there's always more to learn and always more to do. So I'm, I'm continuing that process. So yeah, that's the, that's the cliff notes version of how I got to where I am right now. When, when people warned you, so, so this is sort of like uh, we're, we're having a rhetorical conversation for the students that are listening. When people warned you, because you know, as a student, most of the students just sort of let that warning stuff fly by and they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. It'll be all be fine for me. But when the, when the grownups, I guess, for lack of better words, were warning you about what you were going to face as you joined the profession, how accurate were they? Oh, they're very accurate. Yeah. I, you know, there's, of, of course, there's that statement, you know, chiropractors eat their young. And, and all, although I, I can't stand that statement and right. um, I feel lucky that I wasn't, didn't feel like I was getting eaten alive. I definitely felt like I was getting taken advantage of, so to speak. And, you know, and that's, that's a tricky thing because here's a doc who, you know, spent his last 20, 30 years of his life building something, creating something. That's his baby. And I'm coming in there and, you know, trying to shake things up and bring in new energy and, you know, make things happen. Um, so it, it's a very complicated, tricky relationship. Um, but eventually I just had to kind of step back and look at, you know, all the, all that advice that all those chiropractors on all of my interviews had given me and be like, am I, am I getting myself in the situation that everybody warned me against getting into because I want to make a little bit more money than my classmates? And, um, and when I asked myself that question, it became clear. It was like, oh, this is not, this is not the right thing for me. I need to, I need to find something that's a much better fit. Yeah, it's sort of um, now the, the, the here's I just want to ask you your situation. The, the offices you didn't find affinity with, were they closer to a chiropractic college than the one you're at now? Or were they further away? Ooh, uh, let's see. One of them was extremely far away from a chiropractic college. And the other one I'd say is about equidistant to the one I'm at now. I think the biggest difference I did notice is that um, the office where I'm at now, the chiropractor there has no relationship to the chiropractic college, is in the area at all and you know could really care less. Um, but, the, but the two previous offices were very, very engaged in the chiropractic colleges that were you know, close I think by. You, I think you know what I'm getting at here, right? Uh, like, yeah. There, there's sort of like two different markets in the associate hiring sort of business. There's this sort of a hiring 
it, there's sort of this outlook that the associates are a dime a dozen as long as I'm either close to a school or affiliated with the school. I can I can filter through them until I get a good one. <clears throat> and then they might even uh, produce good ones and then they move on and they get more. It's almost like a easy access of low, 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 I don't know if I wouldn't call it low, low investment um, employees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there's another market that is not affiliated with the schools or not near a school that, that needs to, to be, to bring their value into the, in, into the uh, employment um, t- teamwork, the deal, you know, the, the owners actually got to bring something to the table to satisfy this associate because it's harder to get a valuable associate because they don't just grow them on trees where they're at. And, and I see that. I saw that in California where I live nowhere near associates at all and nowhere near chiropractic colleges. And uh, it, it was harder to find associates and things like that. So the, the search for a good associate was, uh, it was like a diamond in the rough. So you really had to hang on to a good one if you, if you had the opportunity to find one. Um, and, uh, and the hiring parameters were much more broad. So uh, you would, you could oh, further away from a school, they would be willing to hire someone with experience. They'd be willing to hire someone with different, uh, uh, outlooks and different energies and different aptitudes. But when you look at the jobs around a chiropractic college, it's sort of like we, we just want the fresh meat. If you look around Portland, Oregon, a lot of the ads that are put up in the classifieds for associates, it's like, uh, yeah, we take new people, but if you called and you were experienced like five years or beyond, they'd be like, we're not interested. Even if you were the, the world's greatest chiropractor, a lot of these places would turn you away because, um, almost kind of like what you said, they don't want their apple cart overturned by some, some new young buck. And, um, and so I try to pass that advice on to people and let them understand there are multiple reasons why you don't want to work near a, you don't want to set up your practice near a chiropractic college, uh, go out, uh, spread the seed of chiropractic far and wide. <laughs> but yet we still find people that just sort of, they are, they're right there uh, next to the school. They can't get far away. Um, yeah. Speaking to that, you know, I'll just, I'll mention a little bit more of my story. So the, the, you know, the current office that I'm in right now, um, he wasn't looking for an associate doctor. You know, I, I kind of did my due diligence to figure out like who is, who's really doing quality work, quality work, the type of work that I want to be doing in the city where I want to live. And, and I found somebody who was doing that and, you know, through lunch meetings and everything else, who was like, okay, I like you. We, we think similarly, let's give this a try. I, I think this could work. And so, um, instead of kind of falling into that fresh meat trap, like you mentioned of like going for the jobs that were available, which may or which in my experience actually were not good fits for me. I was like, all right, I'm going to create my own job and I'm going to find, you know, a clinic that I really want to work in and get the mentorship that I really uh, want from here. And so it was kind of, you know, it was kind of going at it from a different direction because what I was doing wasn't working. I think that's a great way to look at it. I think uh, uh, there are, there, it's sometimes it's almost like a warning flag or a red flag. Once again, if we're listening to students as a student, as a student, pay attention to who's hiring, even when you're a first year student. And then if you come around to looking at who's hiring year two, year three or whatnot, and they're still hiring, 
I think you can get a pretty good idea that they're always hiring for some reason, and that might not be a good reason. Um, I think people who have talents and who have skills and aptitudes that are, that are hot for the market, that are highly appreciable, I think you can create a job for yourself anywhere you want. Um, and the best quote unquote associate positions I've ever had, and we'll, we'll give them, we'll, we'll say there were two of those were two where I knocked on a door and I went in and I said, here's how I can value your, your clinic. Do you, can you make a space for me and I can help you out and showed them how and why and not advertised positions, not, um, not on the vine, not, not recruited or anything like that. Um, and I think most people, have enough talent to do that to 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 pitch themselves like that uh, but i think people make the the simple choice they want to see who's hiring and then go through the process and this is just an atypical profession and you, you it's hard to follow typical means that way yeah and it's so easy to fall into that trap of what's convenient what's easy what's typical what's normal and just you know go down that road and then be dissatisfied when you're on that easy road and you're not, you know, not enjoying it. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's good advice. Now on the other side of the fence, we can also have some sympathy because you've got a, as soon as you get that diploma and walk across the stage, the clock starts ticking, right? Yep. And you've got to make some decisions pretty darn fast. Yeah. How long did it take you to get your license in California? It took me about two months, you know, I was, I was on it, but um, yeah, it took about two months. Uh, for now, is that quick or is that about average? I would say that's average. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say in my day going back, uh, average would be more like four or five months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it took a lot longer to get a license in California, not even 15, 10 years ago, even going further back, there are some some different stories. Um, I don't know if they're old wives tales or actual stories about the difficulties of getting a license in California. There's like this, there was this thing where they said, um, you know, like uh, you have to take the jurisprudence exam to, to get licensed. Right. And so you have to pass that. And part of that was a x-ray examination test. And the people who were putting on the test were sort of like California's full. We don't want any more people in here to practice chiropractic. Uh, let's just make the test so hard that they can't pass. And if they can't pass, they won't get a license here and they'll go somewhere else. That's some old school stuff right there. Yeah. I've heard stories of the x-ray test being like uh, you walk into a room and there's just a bunch of radiographs on, on whites on uh, reading screens and they flip the lights on and they have a bunch of questions. And then about 15 seconds later, they flip all the lights off on the view boxes and say, okay, so now from memory, you're going to answer these questions. <laughs> oh, Oh, you didn't pass. Well, you know, you can try again next year or uh, you might as well just go to Arizona or Utah or I guess Oregon. If you can pass their test, which is also a barrier to entry, uh, which is obstetrics, gynecology, minor surgery. That's a pretty good barrier to entry for other chiropractic colleges because you got to learn all that stuff before you can get a license. Um. Yeah. That's all. That's all shop talk right there. Maybe some people won't believe those stories, but uh, they the the stories about chiropractic and its history and some of the absurdities could fill a book. But we're not here to talk about that book. We're here to talk about your book, because Doctor Noah Voles has written a book about being a good student. Is that what you would call it? 
Yeah, yeah. The the title of the book is The Master Student. Being a um, master student, that's not yeah. even good. That's better than good. That's better than good. And, you know, there's some, yeah, there's some allegory there. And the overwhelmed student just didn't sound, sound as appealing. <laughs> so uh, we went with the master student. <laughs> Were you a master student? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I am a student. I've been a student my entire life. That's probably the one thing that's like been continuous. But I think there's still still room for growth for me in terms of mastery. And, um, and I think that's part of what makes me a master student is recognizing that, you know, it's, a, it's the never-ending process. What compelled you to write a book about it? So, um, you know, with the, with the podcast that I was doing in the YouTube channel, I was getting so much great information. And, you know, with my own experience in chiropractic school, and, I, and so I started to take time and like, all right, I want to write all this down and just kind of what's working for me, what's not working for me this quarter, what do I want to do differently, you know, um, just kind of uh, little essays of what I was experiencing and what I wanted to try differently and what was working and what wasn't working. And um, in a way, it was like a, a memoir that I kind of wrote to myself and never anticipated or thought about ever really sharing it with anybody else until a student going to my alma mater uh, contacted me and said, hey, do you have any resources? I'm starting school in a couple of weeks. And I said, well, I wrote this book. Uh, you're welcome to read it. Nobody's ever read it. I don't know if it's useful. And he read it and said, hey, this would really help me a lot. Like this really helped me. Um, and so then I was like, all right, well, maybe it's worth putting out there into the world. And so then I went through the uh, requisite steps to get it edited and designed and do all the things that you do when you publish a book. And that was kind of how it was generated. And um, yeah, so far I've gotten some positive feedback. So I think it was, I think it was uh, a good advice that he gave me to share it with the world. You got enough positive feedback to get your book in chiropractic bookstores, plural. Ooh, uh, I have I have no, I haven't, you know, it, it doesn't launch until September 1st. So I am going to reach out to the different bookstores at the different colleges and see if they're willing to carry it. But I haven't yet since it's, um, it's only on pre-order on Amazon at this point. So now you got to be the master hustler. Yes. <laughs> and uh, get your briefcase of book, I guess, whatever the digital uh, equivalent of a briefcase of books is and start hitting up these bookstores. <laughs> yeah, just handing out Kindles left and right. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the book itself, you use two uh, doctors, two chiropractors as um, a model for behavior or an example. Uh, can you name those doctors and, and just explain to us why you chose those two out of a, a large group of great examples? Yeah, I mean, that, that was the hardest decision I made in the book, I would say, is um, choosing, choosing the stories of doctors that I really wanted to highlight. And so um, I chose Dr. Moreau, um, who works at the Olympic Training Facility and is the chief medical officer there, and then uh, Dr. Melillo, who um, has published quite a few books on chiropractic neurology 
um, and has done quite a bit of research um, on chiropractic neurology. And so I felt like uh, both of those doctors exemplified a lot of the, the long-term thinking traits that I found to be really useful. And, and I could see through their stories how you know, I wanted to act and then also what I would recommend to other people. In, in looking at them and their histories, I felt like there was a lot of great uh, knowledge and advice there. You know, they're both uh, very confident individuals. They both, um, you know, show up, assess the scene, kind of wait until uh, people come to them to provide value instead of kind of uh, bursting through the doors and saying like, I've got all the answers, which I, is something I see a lot with, uh, with chiropractic students and probably chiropractors as well is this kind of like, uh, I, you know, they, they, before they actually provide value to an organization, they tend to kind of jump in and, uh, and you know, try and take over the organization. And so I right. felt like both of those two doctors did a good job of that, of like, look here, I'm, I'm, I can provide value here. And then people would come to them and say, Hey, we want more of that. So those are the, those are the two doctors that are highlighted in the book. I've started to notice um, that the, the, there is sort of an arc, there are a couple different, but there are some prime archetypical personality types that become a chiropractor. So it's like they're, they're made before they even matriculate into college. It's, it's a type of person that would then choose chiropractic. You, you get what I'm saying there? Um, yeah, I so do. We, don't, we don't even, chiropractic schools and, and chiropractic as a profession doesn't make these people. They're already made, and then chiropractic's kind of how they manifest their personality for good or for bad, whatever. And, but I found that the people who are extraordinary within our profession are typically people who are not of those standard archetypes. They, they, they exist, as you would say, like a Bill Moreau or Melillo does on a whole different level. Or, uh, you know, you could take somebody who's in, you know, when, when we look at this profession, it's pretty linear. You go to school and then you practice. And then maybe you might do some other things along the way to contribute to the profession. But for the most part, most people go to school and then practice. And then you look at a researcher like a Greg Kochuk, or you look at somebody who is an expressive and I'll even go to the other side of the table, a, um, I almost said Dr. Oz, uh, the old president of Parker, who's, who's like Dr. Oz now, uh, Fabrizio Mancini, um, different type of archetype, you know, and, and they seem to excel amongst the people who hit this sort of average of like, I, I think the average archetype of people who want to be a chiropractor are sort of, uh, they're almost like rebels to a degree, maybe even loners almost, um, they have this pastoral medicine or the sectarian medicine idea. And they, they tend to think that they can be a healer to villages and they want to be the healer to villages and they want to be recognized as such. And uh, they think they have the answers and somewhere along the way in schools, they start to believe that they do have the answer and they become less and less intellectually curious. Like a lot of them in this archetype aren't intellectually curious at all. They, they, they crave the certainty, right? Give me yeah. the story and then I can repeat the story ad nauseum. And if I just com complete the story um, convincing enough, then my rewards and my riches will come along the way. An intellectually curious person cannot do that. They have to reinvent themselves constantly. And uh, 
the the people in this profession that seem to be that type that are driven to discovery, re, uh, driven to reinvention and uh, reinvigorating themselves periodically, they don't seem to fit into the standard chiropractic mold. And I think they have a rough time when they first start out, but once they hit their stride, they become pretty, pretty powerful people in the profession. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate that insight. And I feel like that, um, you know, that insight really dovetails strongly with a lot of the um, themes of the book. That was uh, what I was going to ask next. If you yeah. went, you know? <laughs> this is all a setup. This is a sham listeners. I already read the book. So, <laughs> but I want people to know that the book just isn't, it's not linear like that. Like how to be a master student. It does have those things like, uh, how to plan your life out appropriately because you do need to be organized. But then beyond that, there are character issues you have to address and the only person that can help you address those are yourself. You have to, you have to face those dragons of whatever character deficits you think you might have. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, th I think in some of my promotional materials, it's, it, I think maybe on the back of the book, it says, you know, like I'm not, I'm, I don't consider myself that typical chiropractor archetype, you know, the, the archetype that you were kind of mentoring, mentioning of, um, you know, maybe I'm slightly rebellious. Like I like to do things differently than other people, but, uh, yeah, I think there is kind of this, uh, archetype of the chiropractor. And even when I was in school and, you know, going around, and meeting new people, they'd be like, oh, you're in chiropractic school. You don't seem like a chiropractor. You know, there, I think it's not just within the profession. I think it's outside of the profession that people kind of see this very specific archetype. And um, yeah. And so, you know, in a way, kind of the book was a, a some of the chapters in the book are this call to, hey, wh what, what do you want to do within yeah. this profession that really is going to make healthcare, chiropractic healthcare better. You know, what, what is the big contribution that you can make? Um, and the, yeah, the archetype doesn't think like that. My friend, the archetype is like, <laughs> how do I win? How yes. do I, uh, and I don't want to be crude about, I mean, there's obviously there's more than one archetype. There's probably like a chiropractic horoscope, you know, like you're a Cairo Libra, Cairo Pisces, Cairo, <laughs> whatever, you know, but most of these, folks that are getting out are like, okay, I'm out. Now I want my success. This is the first thought. Now I want my success. How do I line myself up with a good job? And then they see a thing that they have to do. Like they might see a, an enigmatic leader of chiropractic who's um, boisterous and, and, and a great speaker and uses body language and hand language and dresses to the T and they're like, I need to do whatever that guy's doing. Cause I want what he wants. It's all about modeling. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so what do we see in our young chiropractors? We see them trying to do it and it's not authentic. We had one in the Facebook group today. Everyone shared his video. He looked absolutely absurd trying to gesticulate with his body and be what looked like a passionate person when he was talking. And it just looked like someone was having a seizure on, on his uh, Instagram video. And so, is there anything in your book about being authentic to your, to yourself? Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah. You know, I, um, in the book, I termed it remarkable or, uh, impressive. Um, I didn't use the word authentic, uh, specifically in the book, but really the, 
you know, the, the kind of the under, underpinning theme is character development comes before professional development. And so, um, you know, that, that authenticity is part of knowing what's valuable to you. Uh, if the only thing that you care about or the only thing that you find valuable is making a ton of money, um, that is not going to be rewarding long-term. I mean, maybe it is for those people. I don't have that value system. So um, that doesn't resonate with me. And so, uh, yeah, so I really was focusing on, you know, what, what are the big questions that you can ask yourself as a chiropractic student and when can you ask these questions of yourself so that you you can pay enough attention to the process that you're going through, even when you're super overwhelmed, to know that you are doing things in a way that is in alignment with your own character and is in alignment with your own authenticity, um, so that you can you can make a unique contribution. Because I yeah I think it's it's so much easier, it's so much more convenient to just find somebody who does, who acts the way that you think if you act, you'll be successful doing it that way and just mimic them or, you know, kind of replicate what they're doing. And, you know, for some people that they may get some amount of success doing it that way for a period of time, but I, in my opinion, that's like running a sprint, you know, it, it's more of a marathon. I don't think that's sustainable. And so the sooner that you can recognize what really works best for you in chiropractic school and start to focus on those character traits of being a doctor, you know, being empathetic, being compassionate, trying to find the answer for people. You may have some of those answers. You may not have all the answers. That's one thing I'm learning as a doctor in my first year as I learned a lot in school, but I don't know everything. And people come to me looking for answers that I may or may not have. And right. they depend on me to find those. And if you don't, if you haven't developed that character, then you're just going to give them an answer that may or may not be true to appease them or to, you know, make sure that keep coming in. But, you know, that's the, the character development that has to be there before you can really be a doctor. You know, when I, uh, when people are crazy enough to ask me for advice on the student level, so I've spoken to, I think, five or six different campuses so far, and the students will ask all the same questions. What do I need to do? What all this? And uh, it, it's even at the root of the Chiropractic Success Academy that me and Kevin Christie run. It, the root of it all is this knowing who you are, knowing your base. So in classic sense, it would be like Simon Sinek, start with why his book would be a recommendation and all that. But it's like, if you don't understand your base of who you are and what you stand for and your sort of like your personality type and what you want to accomplish with this whole journey, I think you do have to, you're, you're going to have to address that sooner or later. It's going to come up in your career somehow um, or your relationships or whatnot. And um, I think, I think, I think my opinion is I think that chiropractic school is either so it makes the person so busy or they think they're so busy that they give themselves per permission to lose their own identity in the process. Um, does that make sense to you? 
Yeah, and uh, and there were there were times in chiropractic school where I had that experience, and 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 for me, it was, at least, it was that perceived busyness. I don't I yeah. don't think I was actually as busy as uh, I pretended to be. Well, that's um, going to be my next question. You're closer to it than I am. Was chiropractic school as difficult as everyone sort of makes it out to be, as far as busyness? demand on your life things of that nature it, you know it's a it's a it's a there's a simple answer to the question and the the answer is complicated at the same time yeah so it's different for everybody it's perception it, yeah so i would say um i would say if relative to my friends who've gone through medical school uh chiropractic school busyness is much less than what they have experienced. Not to say, you know, that it wasn't busy. It just is different. But, um, you know, I think from, from my perspective in terms of that busyness, like, yeah, it's perspective. It's, you can, you can play it up and make yourself feel really busy and focus on things, you know, that you think are really important. And then when you get out of school, find out that, those things that you focused on maybe weren't the most important things that you needed to be focusing on. Right. Um, you know, and so that really, that was really the light bulb moment for me of like, Oh wait, like, yeah, adjusting is really important. Treatment is super important. You know, am, am, am I a good enough diagnostician to figure out what really needs to, what kind of treatment to apply to this person? that was kind of the big light bulb of like, I don't think I got that skill set as well as I could. I need to double down on my orthos and my functional exams and like figure out like how to do this really well. Um, Were you an A student? No, I was not. Do you think getting A's is very important when it comes to becoming a chiropractor? You know, I, I mean, again, I would base that off the classmates that I had who were A students. And, and this is, you know, this is probably a gross generalization, but I would say the classmates that I have were A students, their hands-on skills were not very good. Um, And, you know, they knew the knowledge in their head, but then when it came to actually applying that knowledge, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't experience them having a great application of that knowledge. You're not going out on a limb to say that, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) But I think having the knowledge is really important. You know, it, it, I wish that an A correlated to I've mastered this, uh, you know, these orthopedic exams. I've mastered the treatment of this condition. I've, you know, have some sort of mastery of uh, the, the functional anatomy and the pathology. Um, you know, I, I wish there was a direct correlation there. I just haven't seen it. And so I think you know, one of the themes I talk about in the book is like, learn, learn the information that's going to be relevant to you once you get out of school. And if that directly correlates to you getting A's, then that's awesome. But if it doesn't, don't focus on the A, focus on making sure you can answer the hard questions that patients are going to ask you when they ask you those questions, because that's really what your job is once you're out of school. That's always the hard thing that the the uh, the people out in the field who are involved in leadership and whatnot in organizations they get they get kind of frustrated with the student body because they're 
in the hierarchy of things that are extremely important in this profession, probably being involved, uh, uh, being in, in Congress with each other, uh, working together, being politically active, being uh, working on your skill sets through continuing education and things like that. Those are usually the, the things that rest highest on the tree. And when the practicing docs or the leaders say, for example, NCLC or like we need students at NCLC, uh, the National Chiropractic Leadership Conference to, to, or Legislative Conference, sorry, to get this word out on how important our profession is and what we can do to help people in our communities. And the students are sort of like, uh, but I got to study and, and it gets frustrating um, but I think we all need to have the perspective for some people going through chiropractic college. It's probably the easiest thing they've ever done. And for some of them going through chiropractic college, it is actually the hardest thing they've ever done. And they really got to stay focused on studies. Um, but I don't know. I, I think in retrospect, like you, I had a light bulb that went off at some point where I, where I realized, Oh, I don't need to get an A in this class. I need to understand concepts and how to apply them. Or, oh, I don't need to spend that much time on embryology when I can use that time period to study business acquisition skills that I heard somewhere down the line they don't actually teach me very well in school. That sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, it was actually you who said something that was really pivotal for me when I was in chiropractic school. And I don't, I don't know when on my trajectory this happened, but you said something, or at least I'm attributing it to you. I don't actually know if you said this, but you said uh, it's more important to connect the dots than to collect the dots. I would never, no, I don't think I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that, yeah, I'm not that uh, whimsical and bright like that. But um, that was, yeah, that was one of those statements that I kept with me and I was like, all right, yeah, I can learn this new technique or I can learn this new rehab or I can learn this new thing and I can collect all of this information. But ultimately, is that, is that really, do I want to be the guy that like knows a thousand things but doesn't know them very well and just has collected a bunch of you know, certificates on my wall or I, do I want to be the guy who's connected all of those different things and knows how to, use whichever tool seems to be appropriate at that time because they're all connected. Um, and I so, probably address that subject with you, but I would never be bright enough to come up with a neat little quip for it. <laughs> I, I'm usually um, uh, loquacious. I got to go on and on and on to make my point, but I, I agree with that same point. And I'm, I have told other people that before it's much more about observation and mastery than it is about acquisition of uh, diplomas and, and letters after your name and things like that. I think where it came up was, I think I had told you that it took me years before I even took a uh, certification type of course, yeah. but I had been studying all the stuff that led up to it. You know, you could take, for example, a McKinsey course, and I had probably known as much about McKinsey as somebody who took the course, but I just never bothered to take the course because I didn't feel like I needed the letters, mm -hmm. which is also wrong too, because uh, you're assuming that they can't teach you anything and they sure as hell can. Yeah. There's so many ways to be wrong in chiropractic. So many ways. But uh, glass half full, everybody. There's so many ways to be right. <laughs> you know, uh, I am from, from 
from uh, administrating this forward-thinking chiropractic alliance empire, I am becoming less rigid in my thinking. Never that far rigid that I'm going to let uh, sort of like pseudoscience and nonsense into the fold, but enough to understand that there are lots of different types of human beings and they share a profession with us. There are a lot of different types of personalities and belief systems and strengths and weaknesses, and they're all here with us. That's what makes us a profession. What bums me out is, yeah, if you do have somebody in your class and they're straight A students, there's not, you know, what if they are academically inclined? There's nowhere for them to go. How do we foster uh, them into research? If somebody's a really great leader, how do we foster them into leadership without them having to chew on five to 10 years of practice where they're just not, that's not their thing before they, before they learn how to be a researcher or a, uh, a leader, you know what I mean? Or a great writer like yourself. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who, you know, has just made this transition from school into doctor life, uh, you, you know, the the options I feel like are pretty limited, you know, and, and so part of that's part of what I talk about in the book is like, try and figure out what you want to do while you're in school. And it may not be, you know, work in an office as a chiropractor, it may be write books, it may yeah. be do research, it may be travel the circuit and, you know, do presentations. Maybe you're a great public speaker. You know, um, I, I think our, the, the career options that we get from the school or get in our head as students, they, uh, they don't really foster that kind of authenticity that we talked about earlier. They don't foster that, okay, what, what is gonna be my unique contribution? And, and I, you know, what I kind of experienced, and thankfully I was uh, uh, you know, tenacious enough to be like, all right, I'm not settling for that. Like I'm gonna go find the place that I want to work and work there is that uh, they're just once you get out of school it's like or out of school you just don't have a lot of options you know it's it's you look at the job boards of all the different chiropractic schools or indeed and you're like oh okay this this is what I have to work with um, yeah so I think if you start in school kind of figuring out what you want to do and start building building that foundation building that groundwork, getting in touch with the people who, you know, are doing similar things. And that was advice I got a lot when I was a student, like get in touch with all those people. And you may or may not be able to figure it out while you're in school, what it is that you actually want to do. But, um, you know, put yourself in the, the position where you can experience that as much as possible. And, you know, hopefully we can, as a profession, start to expand those career horizons um, for people so that they can do the type of work that they really love to do and not feel kind of stuck in doing something that they don't really resonate with. That oh, totally. Huge win. Yeah. Yeah. We got to be honest here. We call ourselves a profession, but if we all only do one thing, that's a, that's not a profession. That's a vocation. Yeah. You know, like electrician, what does an electrician do? They do electrician stuff. <laughs> you know, HVAC repair is repairing HVAC. So it, it's like if we don't have the the infrastructure to support a profession, then we don't have one at all. Um, and and I and we got to be positive here. The the avenues for research are growing tremendously, and the 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 opportunities to be a leader in interdisciplinary environments. For example, your one of your examples, Dr. Bill Moreau. Um, 
all those opportunities are growing because of people like Bill Moreau, you know? So we, we can be positive. We can say once again, there's never been a greater time to be a chiropractor uh, just because there that, that idea that you put out in your book that if you want it and you can see it and you can plan it, then you can start to attack it and it's possible. That is a real thing. And that's something that I think students need to understand and hear. Uh, it's a, this profession is a choose your own adventure book. And what adventure do you want to pursue while you're doing this? Yeah, I agree. You like that? You like that? Yeah, I like it. It's not bad. It's not bad yeah. for a, yeah, it's a long humid day in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, are there are other books on the way? Are we allowed to say that? Or do uh, I need yes. to edit this out? No, we're, we're allowed to say that. Okay. Can you, how are people going to be able to get a hold of this book that is uh, on pre-order right now? How can they get it while it's on pre-order first? Um, the easiest way to get it is to go to uh, drnovols.com. That um, is just a quick web page that I put up real quick. And if you put your email address in there, it'll send you right to the Amazon pre-order page. I imagine you can go to Amazon and search the master student or search novels and it'll come up. Uh, I haven't tried that yet, but I imagine that would work. Um, and the advantage of going to the website and putting in your email and being redirected is that when book two comes out and book three comes out, I will email you and let you know. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, uh, and for the listeners, uh, and then when it is out, they can find it on Amazon and through the website as well. Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. Be on the website as well. What I want people to do is I want people to purchase this book and not because it's going to buy Dr. Vols a yacht or anything like that. I just, there are trash chiropractic self-produced rag books out there. Um, and I want those, those guys that keep bragging about how awesome their book is, I want them to get crushed by a new grad who has put in actual true work and isn't just bragging about himself. So uh, Noah Voles was not cast to be a chiropractor. It just so happens that chiropractic found him. So let's help, uh, let's help him out and let's help out anyone who would like to see some of the bad Brilliant. publications out there. Uh, get get crushed i'm competitive like that i want to see my team win yeah, yeah thank you yeah and the, i mean <laughs> the kindle version is very very affordable <laughs> so yeah it's a good you yeah, can't really go wrong <laughs> yeah 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 whatever it takes get it done just get one more check mark in the sales column to defeat the enemy um yeah. you know i i i already i saw it in you long ago you're gonna do great things this is just the beginning. You got to put something out there and see how people react. And then uh, you'll respond and you can make better things and listen to your crowd even more all at the same time while you're learning how to help human beings in office. Good luck with that. It's going to take a couple of years. Pace yourself. Yeah. Thank you. That that's the advice I keep getting. It's like, you don't have to know it all today. Just like, you know, you know, you know enough. Language. Take your, take your time. <laughs> Do you know a second language? Do you speak Spanish or? Uh, actually, I used to speak German and I yeah. still understand it, but I don't speak it that well. Um, it's a lot like speaking in a language where you're trying to learn it on the fly as you go. 
Mm-hmm. There, there are certain phrases you can get away with, you know, there are probably some German phrases you can still spit out and, and get a pass on. Yeah. And then you'll meet some, like if you were meeting somebody in Germany on the street and you wanted to say something like you dropped your wallet, but you just don't know the words to put together. You just fumble with it and then you go home and you're uh, disturbed. Like, I don't know how to say you dropped your wallet. I don't know how to say it. And then you look it up, you practice it and you learn it. And then you go out the next day looking for wallets, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but as you go, you add one new phrase a day, one new phrase. And as a chiropractor, you're going to be put in situations where like I, you're going to go home at night and be like, there was something not right about that encounter. Like I didn't explain it right enough. I didn't connect with the patient and create a therapeutic alliance. Like I wanted to, there was some piece that I don't feel good about. And then you, because it bothers you, you learn how to do it. And then you add one and another and another and another. And then in, depending on your pace, everyone's got a different pace. We're being very um, diplomatic here, aren't we, with our people? Everyone's got a different pace. Uh, in, in year two, three, or four, or five, whenever it is, um, the light bulb will click. And, and a lot of the things that used to bother you won't bother you anymore. My mentor used to say it's like... Uh, it's like seeing a, a hundred mile an hour fastball. So when you play little league, you couldn't even comprehend a hundred mile an hour fastball, but the more and more you get up to bat and the more and more experience you get, eventually you start to see the fastball. And then as you get better and better, you start to see the tread on the ball. You start to see how it's spinning and rotating. You start to see how the pitcher is releasing it. You start to see everything. Um, it just takes a lot of at bats and you'll get there. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, I, I don't know what everybody else's experience is, but like you said, with when you're learning this new language and you're trying to communicate with people and you're doing it, you know, and you know you could do it better. You're communicating, but you're not communicating as well as you'd like. It can be a little bit frustrating. And um, I've definitely, you know, experienced that as a, a new graduate of, of being, you know, like you said, like being a little frustrated when I come home at night and going, okay, how can I make this better? And I think that almost like circles back to something we mentioned earlier. Like if you have that kind of sense of, of, of apathy, if you don't, you know, if you're not really, if you could kind of care less if it went well or it didn't go well, or you're, you know, blowing so much smoke up your own, but that you think it went well, um, then you, you don't have that experience. And so um, that's, you know, one of the things that, uh, I've been, that's been reflected to me is like, actually in your first year, you want to feel frustrated. You want to feel like, uh, you, you can do better because if you don't, that means that you're not really paying attention. Yeah. You're not being authentic to yourself either. Yeah. You should not be the best chiropractor you could ever be a year out of school (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or it's going to be a long, long career. (laughs) Um, Hey man. So, uh, we're going to end this podcast, uh, do me a favor. I've got a book that's completely pretty much all written out. Everyone knows about this book. It's, it's just, I'm staring at it right now, actually staring at physical pages that I've written out by hand, mm-hmm. uh, really old school, uh, off the air. Uh, give me uh, your little list of the steps you had to go through to get that thing published. Maybe give me a reference for who helped you out. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun read. It's a, it's a journey into my mindset and that's scary, but, um, <laughs> Maybe we can get on the same sort of whatever you want to call it, publishing team or whatnot. Yeah. Get this I, book out there. I love my publishing team. I'd be more than happy to recommend them. Sweet. They were awesome. Yeah. 
Well, good luck on release day. You're competing with the new tool album that's coming out. So we'll see if where people's dollars go. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs>